Well, folks, despite world leaders standing on their soapboxes at COP26 and pledging to halt and reverse deforestation, it seems the Earth's precious forests didn't get the memo. BBC News reported that last year, we lost an area of tropical forest the size of Switzerland. That's right, party people. 11 football pitches of forest gone every minute in 2022, with Brazil leading the pack in destruction. Now don't get me wrong, promises were made, and there was a lot of handshaking and smiling at COP26. But it seems we're slipping like a lumberjack on a greased log when it comes to preserving our vital forests. Scary fact? Deforestation is a key contributor to global warming and biodiversity loss. But hey, it's not all doom and gloom. Indonesia, for example, is making progress, reducing tree loss by implementing measures like a permanent moratorium on new palm oil logging and increased fire monitoring. So put on your party hat for Indonesia. Go you. But in places like Brazil, forest loss keeps surging. Sigh. Time to step up, Mr. Lula, Brazil's president. Let's do better for our planet. It raises the question, are we on track to halt deforestation by 2030? And the resounding answer is asterisk dramatic pause, asterisk no. No, we're not even close, people, and frankly, it's breaking Mother Nature's heart, not to mention affecting the livelihoods of millions of people and the fate of our environment. So while we've seen action with Indonesia and Malaysia, the overall trend still looks bleak. Forestry 101. Once we lose these incredible resources, they're next to impossible to replace. So if we want to keep those cozy 1.5 degrees Celsius dreams alive, we need to act now. Time to step up and send a moray to our precious forests. As always, thank you for joining me on Straight Talk with Brainwaves. Now let's dive into your questions, your concerns, and your deepest, darkest secrets. Remember, listeners, if you'd like to submit a question, head over to brainwavespod.com. We're all about the candid convo here. Let's get to it. Before we dive into today's episode, please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised, and straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, my name is Jessie, and I'm calling from Portland. I've been friends with Sarah for almost 10 years now. She's like a sister to me, but lately I've been noticing some really unhealthy behaviors in her relationships. It's like she's constantly jumping from one toxic relationship to the next. Whenever we talk, it's obvious that she's codependent on her partners, and her attachments are downright toxic. As a friend, I'm really worried about her. I've tried gently pointing this out, but she either brushes it off or gets defensive, and I don't want to push her away. What do you suggest I do while staying empathetic and supportive to help her recognize her codependent patterns, break the cycle, and ultimately find healthier, more fulfilling relationships? Thanks for your advice. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey, Jesse, thanks for calling in from Portland. And I've got to say, Portland, the land of craft beer, good coffee, and excellent friends like you. You're doing the friend thing right by being concerned and wanting to help Sarah find her way to healthier relationships. 
Your question is one that I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to, as toxic relationships and codependency are more common than we'd like to admit. First, let's acknowledge something important. You can't fix Sarah's problems for her. As much as we'd love to jump into our friends' lives with a magic wand, it's just not feasible. On the other hand, what you can do is be an empathetic supporter, and you seem to have quite a knack for that. When addressing the issue with Sarah, timing and approach are everything. Choose a moment to talk when she's open and receptive, not when she's already feeling down or defensive. Make sure it feels like a supportive conversation, not an intervention. Carefully use I statements to express your concerns. You might say, I've noticed that your relationships often follow a similar pattern, and I'm worried about how it affects you. Keep in mind that the goal here is to help her become self-aware without feeling attacked or overwhelmed. Now let's talk about the codependency issue itself. Codependency is often rooted in low self-esteem and a lack of boundaries, which means if Sarah's going to break the cycle, she's got to work on building her self-worth. Of course, that's easier said than done. Instead of focusing on the relationship specifically, help her dive into some soul-searching. Encourage her to seek therapy or recommend books on personal growth and codependency that could be helpful. Be a workout buddy or join a hobby together, anything that fosters self-confidence, emotional resilience, and independence. As a friend, you could also try role-modeling healthy relationships. Share stories about positive experiences and boundaries you've set in your own life, without making it sound like a lecture, of course. Striking the right balance between offering support and not pushing too hard is crucial. Eventual, gently remind her that it's better to be single and emotionally stable than in a destructive relationship. The societal pressure to be partnered can be rough in your 20s and 30s. But you've got to ride that storm out, baby. It's invaluable to have a period of self-discovery and growth, and it usually leads to a healthier outlook on relationships in the end. In short, Jesse, you can't force Sarah to change, but you can definitely be a supportive friend and a positive influence. Keep providing that tender, loving care you're so good at. Encourage her to find her own way to self-love and self-worth, and do the best you can to role model the healthy relationships you'd like to see her in. Good luck, Jesse, and thank you for being such a caring friend. Keep us posted on how things go. Hey, Brainwaves, it's Sarah from San Francisco. So, here's the deal. I've been best friends with my girl Emily for, like, ten years, and we're seriously considering becoming roommates. Our current housing situations are just plain awful, and we know we both vibe together so well. I guess my question for you is, how do I navigate the delicate dynamics of transitioning from close friends to roommates without ruining our amazing friendship? We've been chatting about boundaries, splitting responsibilities, and finances— but I'm just afraid of it becoming too intense and us potentially making each other crazy. Should we be setting up some type of written agreement or just trust our friendship instincts? All right, spill the beans. Thanks. Hey, Sarah from San Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I can totally feel the roommate dilemma vibes you're sending out. First off, it's fantastic that you and Emily have been best friends for over a decade. That's no small feat. But I get it. You're worried about changing the friend-roommate dynamic and not wanting that beautiful friendship to turn sour. Like last week's milk. Here's the deal. Not all friendships have what it takes to make it in roommate paradise. 
but it sounds like you guys have a solid foundation and you're already discussing boundaries, responsibilities, and finances. That's a great start. The most essential key to a successful roommate partnership is communication. So kudos to both of you for already nailing that part down. Now, onto the written agreement. It might sound a bit formal, and that's because it is. But it's all about making sure everyone's on the same page from day one. You don't have to draft up a legal contract. But a friendly agreement, fancy term, roommate agreement, can save you from potential conflicts down the road. It doesn't have to be super detailed. Just outline the essential terms and conditions like rent splitting, household chores, noise levels, and of course, dealing with leftover Thai food. With that agreement on your side, not only will you set clear expectations from the start, but you'll also ensure that your friendship can survive those never-ending laundry debates or dispute over whose turn it is to do the dishes. Also, remember that these discussions aren't anything personal. You're just laying down the foundation for a relaxed living environment. The key here is to be open and honest and willing to compromise. This is not the Hunger Games, so you don't have to outplay, outwit, or outlast. Instead, acknowledge each other's strengths and weaknesses and find the balance to coexist. Think of it as if you are stepping into friend roommationship island, yes, I just made that up, where the only way to win is to play together. Lastly, don't forget to make time for your friendship outside of your roommate situation. Schedule regular BFF dates where you give each other space and time to strengthen those friendship roots that brought you together in the first place. Keep the magic alive, but also respect each other's need for privacy. So Sarah, to put it simply, communicate openly, be ready to compromise, set clear boundaries with that roommate agreement, and nurture your friendship both inside and outside your home. You'll be well on your way to making roommationship history. Good luck to you and Emily and keep the best friend vibes flowing. Hey, Brainwaves, this is Sarah from San Francisco. So, I've been dating my partner Jake for about a year now, and things have been going pretty great so far. We get along, communicate well, and, you know, have a lot in common. But recently I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and it's been, well, it's been a wild ride, to say the least. I'm on medication, and I'm working with my therapist, but I can't help but worry about how this might affect my relationship with Jake. He's been supportive so far, but I know this is a lot to take in, and I don't want this diagnosis to become a burden on him or us. I guess my question for you is, how can I navigate my relationship with Jake while also taking care of my mental health? What should I look out for, and how can we help each other during this difficult time? Thanks for any advice you can offer. Much appreciated. Hey there, Sarah. Thanks for sharing your story with us. First off, I commend you for seeking help and treatment for your bipolar disorder. That's a huge step in the right direction. Mental health can be a complex and challenging thing to navigate, but you're clearly committed to taking care of yourself, and that's fantastic. So, let's dive into your question about maintaining a healthy relationship with Jake while managing your mental health. Now, Sarah, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Having a serious mental health condition can undoubtedly put some strain on a relationship. But it doesn't have to be a deal-breaker. It's all about creating an open, honest, and supportive environment where you're both working as a team on this journey. Remember, you two are a partnership, and teamwork makes the dream work. Here are a few pointers to guide you in navigating these uncharted waters with Jake. First and foremost, communication is key. 
Having open conversations about your bipolar disorder, the symptoms, your emotions, and what support you need from him is vital. Make sure he understands how your highs and lows can manifest and share resources like articles or support groups to help him better grasp what you're going through. It takes the guesswork out, and knowledge is power. Next, establish boundaries and routines. During both your upswings and downswings, it's essential to have a plan in place so that Jake knows what to expect, and more importantly, how he can help. He's not a mind reader, so be clear and provide guidance on your needs during those different phases. Don't forget about the importance of self-care, Sarah. By taking care of yourself, sticking to your therapy, medication, exercise, and a proper sleep schedule, you're also taking care of your relationship. You'll be better equipped to handle your condition and less likely to lean too heavily on Jake for support if you prioritize your own well-being. Lastly, empathy goes both ways. Understand that this might be as challenging for Jake as it is for you. Encourage him to share his feelings and be open to hearing his perspective without judgment. As you both learn and grow through this process, make sure to celebrate the small victories and remind each other of the love and support that's brought you this far. You're in a unique situation, Sarah, but with open communication, mutual support, and a healthy dose of love, you and Jake can navigate this together. Your diagnosis doesn't define you or your relationship. Sending you and Jake positive vibes in your journey, and remember, you've got this. Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades.